Here's the thing. Our church is not a building. It's never been a building. We are the church as we live in our communities, on mission together, demonstrating God's love in practical ways everywhere we go. Let's have a future focused on loving God, loving people, and changing the world. As we do that, we believe our families, neighborhoods, and cities will experience Jesus in new ways. This year, we want to be a people focused on living out our purpose for the one and for the world. Here's to our future, together. All right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? At all of our locations, Crystal Lake, Wheaton, Chicago, all our locations, how's everybody doing? It is good to be with you. Um, Hey, uh, I don't have a ton of time today, so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, When I was in high school, uh, I played football, obviously. No, I'm just kidding. I played football. And um, and one day um, before football practice, this was probably three or four bells into the day, there was a girl in my school, and I thought, hey, (laughs) she's kind of cute. And I did uh, the really brave thing. I wrote her a note. This is before texting, this is before, you know, lean to somebody that's young and say, hey, we used to have to write notes to people, okay? But I, would write, I wrote this little note, and I did that thing where you go, hey, do you like me? If so, circle one, yes, no. Do you remember? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I said, if you like me, meet me down on the practice field before, after school and before football practice. Now, when I gave that note to my friend to give to her friend to give to her, I'm telling you, like once I gave that note out, I was done for the day. I didn't care about history. I didn't care about math. I didn't care about anything else. I was just wondering, is this girl going to show up at the end of the day? And at that last bell, when the last bell rang, I ran downstairs to the locker room. I got my pads on. I got my cleats on. And I ran out. And on the field, she was there. I kind of thought you, come on. I I thought you'd be excited about that for me. Come on. And, And anyway, so she was there. And so I invited her to take a nice little romantic walk around the athletic track with me. And we held hands. Not like this, but like this. Because you know that makes all the difference, right? And, and I, I was walking around with her, and we got, everything was going great, until we got to kind of the, this edge of the track that was near the, the woods, that was near this neighborhood. These two guys came out, and they just, they were looking for trouble. And the two guys walked up to me and walked up to her, and you could just kind of see what was going on. They were going to tease me. They were going to tease her. Now, listen, you tease me, that's one thing, you know, but then you're going to tease her. You're going to pick on her. Well, I got a decision to make. In the face of insurmountable odds, there's two of them, only one of me. I think one of them was shaven, too, okay? They're a little older. But, but am I going to stand up for this girl? Am I going to do what's right? Am I going to take a risk and, and kind of do the right thing, be bold in the moment? And, uh, well, I, I did. I said, hey, you, you can't talk about her that way. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, and he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know. And we kind of escalated, and we ended up doing the dance of the tough guys. Now, if you're not familiar with this, it's where 
we kind of both put our arms out like this. We stick our chest out. We cock one head this way. He cocks his head that way. And then we just end up kind of dancing around each other, just kind of waiting to see who's going to go first. Now, as we're doing our dance, remember there's two of them. His friend gets behind me on all fours, okay? So at just the right moment then, he shoves me. And when he shoves me, my foot goes back to stabilize myself. But the guy's there. I can't do anything about it. So instinctively, I jump. I do a backhand spring. I land right on my feet. I'm like, like this. (laughs) Do you believe that's what happened? I'm a pastor. I would never. Okay, you're right. That's not what happened. I rolled head over foot over head over foot down the hill. I slammed into the fence at the bottom of the hill. And, and I was just, I was out. I look over and I could see some stars. <laughs> but I also saw this sea of red and white football jerseys. Because my team had seen everything that was going on. I knew my team was over there in the locker room getting ready for practice. And they saw everything that was going on. And when they ran out, do you think these two guys stood up to insurmountable odds, did the bold thing? No, they ran away like little Freddy cats, right? Now, why do I tell you that story? Because that's how I met my wife, Rachel. No, it's not. I, that would be really amazing. I mean, what a great story that would be. I... Actually, I have no clue what happened to that girl. That's not how I met Rachel, but I tell you that story because I think everybody needs a team. I want to talk to you about teams today because I think every one of us needs a team. If you're going to take bold moves in your life, a bold stand in your life, you need people that are going to back you up. When you fall down and you get in trouble, you're going to need people that are going to run to your rescue, that are going to support you, that are going to help you. You're never going to become everything that God calls you to become, to take the risks that he's calling you to take, to make the moves, to overcome the challenges that he's uh, calling you to overcome. You're never going to be able to do that without a team. That's why in Rooted we uh, we talk about different rhythms, and one of those rhythms is serving on a team. Because we've had teams around here for years, and, and, and those teams will serve together, and, and those teams will support one another, and the, you get to know each other, and there's friendships that are formed. They're like little churches within the big church around here on these teams. And I believe that if you're going to dream big dreams, if you're going to become everything that God has called you to become, then you're going to need a team. You're serving on a team is, well, it's essential to you taking next steps with God. Now, not only is it essential for you taking your next steps with God and developing into everything that God has called you to be, but it's also essential to our church becoming everything that God is calling our church to be. Your serving on a team is essential. Look at how the Apostle Paul, he's one of the early church leaders, and as the church is getting going, Paul is writing to this church that's forming in in the city of Corinth, and he starts to describe the way that the church works together. Look what he said. He said, the body, the body, the church, is is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body, and so it is with Christ, with the church. Now, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, 
it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, you know, I don't perform that function, I don't, then I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, well, then where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In other words, everybody in the body is essential. I mean, every part in your body is essential. Unseen, seen, predominant, uh, you know, uh, disguised. Every part of your body, I can't have my liver go, hey, you know what, I've been doing this for a long time now. I need some time off. I can't do that. I can't have my spleen. <laughs> I can't have my spleen say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to take some, you know, other people will do my job. Other people will do my job. I can't do it. I count on 100% commitment <laughs> from all the parts of my body, and it's essential. I need that. And, and the church needs every part of its body. We need every one of you. There are those of you that work in the parking lot, and you are like the first impression that people get when they come in here. As they're driving in, there are people who are waving with you. You've got these big old smiles on. That makes, that's a big deal. We need you to do that. There are those of you that work with our disability and inclusion ministry that are loving people, accepting people down there, that are helping people develop down there and teach, teach Jesus to people. We, we need you to do that. There are those of you that hold doors for people and that, that answer questions for people when they come into our, our buildings and they kind of have the deer in the headlights look like, where am I supposed to go and what am I supposed to do? You are those people that make that happen. Some of you serve behind the scenes, you're, you're pushing faders, or you're a part of the production team. Some of you are on stage, you're, you're playing guitars, you're singing. And it takes every one of you to do what you do to, for us to become everything that God is calling us to become. Now, Sean launched this vision with us last week, For the One, For the World. Where are we headed? What's our future? For the One, For the World this year. Um, and he used that story where Jesus tells Peter, hey, go take the boat out into a, a deeper place. I know you've been fishing all night, but just, just trust me. And he takes the fish out, or he takes the boat out. And sure enough, even though he shouldn't have caught fish, like it didn't make any sense in, in an earthly uh, sense, he said, okay, we'll do it. And he throws the net out, and here come all these fish, so much so that Peter's got a call to a bunch of other fishermen and say, hey, bring your boat. The only way we're going to be able to pull all these fish out is if, is if we have a team, is if we have a team of people to do this. And now, I just I want to tell you kind of what's going on in our church and maybe why this is in particular our vision this year. Because after COVID, volunteering in churches all around the country, volunteering, serving, they say is down at the average church 20%. 20%. And you go, well, that's just a statistic. But what are you supposed to do? 20% less ministry? The truth is, is that there are people in our world that are hurting. There are people in our world that need Jesus. Their, their marriages are rocky. Their kids are kind of wayward. They're, they're lost. 
There are people who are struggling with addiction and they just they want to find freedom. There are people that are alone. There are people that are struggling with mental illness that we could come along and, and, and the, the gospel becomes the answer for those people. And, and, and one of us helping one person is wonderful for the one. But if for the world, if we're going to, when we come together as a team, we can do so much more. Now, 40% of our church is new within the last five years. And I think what can happen, especially coming back from COVID and that sort of thing, what happens is people will come in to our buildings, South Barrington Building or or Chicago facility. You you come in and you see it all kind of running, kind of working, and you go, well, they don't really need me. They kind of got this thing down. Those guitar players, they they do their thing, and the people open the doors, they do their thing. They They don't really... Need be. But, but here's what you need to know. Our attendance growth is outpacing our volunteer serving growth. That's what's happening. It's as if Peter is going, hey, there's a huge, huge catch of fish. Bring the nets. Bring the boats. And when they come out, there's just not enough boats and not enough nets to help catch all the fish. We have 50% more people that are coming to our care center than, than we have in the past. That's a wonderful thing. They're coming to us for help. But what that means is we need more people on the team to help serve, to help serve those people. Um, we said uh, last year, th- last year we wanted to grow younger. We want that to be a part of our values around here. Like we want to help serve young families, and you know what? We have young families coming to our church, and we're actually on a regular basis closing down kids' classrooms because we don't have enough people serving. That means that some mom and some dad looked at each other and said, hey, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, with everything we got going on in life, what do you think about trying to go to church? And they look at each other and they discuss that and they try and figure it out. And then they get up on Sunday morning and it's probably way out of their routine. And they try and they battle those kids and get them all ready to go. And they get to church and they're kind of finding it and they're doing their Google search. And they find it and they get there. And then when they get there, they walk up to one of our classrooms. And we say, I'm sorry, we don't have room for you. I have to bring this to you today. I have to bring this to you today because my prayer is that, you know, most of the time if I get up and teach, I'm good with like incremental change. Like if I talk to you about loving your neighbor and we get like incremental change on loving your neighbor, I'm like, that's good. Or we talk about like, hey, man, you know, let's read our Bibles more. And people walk out and you go, yeah, I could, I could do that. And we just kind of grow a little bit spiritually. That, that's good. And a lot of times, like, we're doing incremental change. This needs to be an, inf- an inflection point in our church. This needs to be a hockey stick of, of change in our church because there are fish all over the place. People are coming. God is saying, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to draw people to you. And, and, and we just don't have enough people serving 
on a team. So I am actually going to stop preaching 10 minutes early today. Don't tell me miracles don't happen in church, okay? And I'm going to give our campus pastors time to talk to you a little bit about some of the serving opportunities in our church. All right, that's my first point, is that your serving is one, it's essential. It's essential for you taking next steps with God and becoming everything that God wants you to be, and it's essential for our church to become everything that God is calling us to be. That's number one. Number two, uh, your serving is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I say that because when I say, hey, you could serve in a church, a lot of people will say, well, what can I do? Like, I don't know the Bible very well. I, I don't play guitar. Like, <laughs> What am I even supposed to do? I don't have a ton of time. I'm busy. Like, what am I supposed to do? And and I just want to say this. Theologically, when you become a Christian, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. That's amazing. You get the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you also get the gift, a gift from the Holy Spirit. A spiritual gift that you can unwrap, an ability that you can use to help be on the team, to discover your purpose in life, to to help sort of catch the fish, to to make this happen. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if you speak, you should speak as the one who speaks the very words of God. So in other words, like it's not just your words. God is empowering what you're doing. If you serve, you should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. He empowers the use of your abilities and of the spiritual gifts that he gives you. Years ago, there was a famous pianist, his name was Paderewski, and he was doing a tour in the U.S., and uh, a mom brought her little son who was learning uh, piano. He thought it would be an inspirational thing to watch this master play piano. And so she brings this little boy, and uh, she gets to the theater. When she gets to the theater, she sees that there are some other mothers that are there with their kids as well. And so she's talking with the mother. And, and suddenly, they all hear chopsticks being, it's a true story, chopsticks being played on the piano. The mother turns around, and to her horror, her son has made his way. He saw a piano. He's like, oh, I like piano. And he got up on the stage, and he's playing chopsticks on the piano. She's horrified. People in the crowd are starting to boo and, like, get off the stage. Like, it's a horrible situation. Well, Paderewski, the master, he's watching this happen. What he does is he walks out. He leans down and he whispers to the boy, keep playing. And then he puts his arms around the boy. And as the boy just plays simple chopsticks, Paderewski starts runs up here and bass lines down here. And he just adds to what the boy is doing. And together the crowd is just amazed at what the music it was that they were able to make together. And I share that with you. Because I believe in some ways that's what happens when we go to serve God. We offer him our little rudimentary skills, our little rudimentary abilities. And then God is able to just infuse with his power and use it in an amazing way. 
Now, some of you go, well, what is my spiritual gift? I I don't really know. We're going to help you unwrap that today. We'll have a QR code uh, in just a little bit. Your campus pastors will come, and we can do a spiritual gift assessment for you. You can do that at home if you like. But it can help you begin to figure out where should I serve? What should I do? And then I would share with you this. Then just start experimenting. Then just like sign up and go, okay, I'll be a greeter for a little bit. See how that feels. Or say, you know what, I like kids. I'll, I'll work with kids for a little bit. And you do that and you begin over time to find out what is it and where is it that God has for you to make an impact with your life. There was a lady um, at my church or at our church and uh, this concept of serving came and she was like, well, what can I do? I, I, I cut hair for a living. I, I mean, all I can do is just help. I, I, just, I guess I can cut hair. And the idea came to her that she would just cut hair for people. And she had a client who was a, a, a client uh, with special needs. And she saw the dynamic with mom and this kid, and, and, and she started cutting. This. She said, you know what? I'd be happy to cut your hair for free on Tuesday nights once a month if, if you want to. And by the way, I'll be there you know, kind of the whole night. If you've got some friends that you'd like to bring, I'll do that as well. And people started coming like fish in our story. And the next thing you know, more and more and more and more. And the lady starts going to her uh, cosmetology friends and saying, hey, can you come help? Because I get all these people. And next thing you know, every Tuesday night once a month, there's about 100 people gathering for a meal, getting their hair cut, having community together. It was just a beautiful way that God's Holy Spirit, God's power, just empowered her serving gift each of you each of you have a gift from God to be able to be used on the team and and each one of your gifts is essential it's not only empowered but it's essential and then finally your serving makes an eternal difference I mean I mean Peter needed a bunch of help to make it happen. It was essential. Peter needed the Holy Spirit to make that catch so big. But then your serving makes an eternal difference. There was a time uh, after all of the fish were gathered that Jesus looked at them and said, okay, okay, you saw what happened. Now we're going to go and we're going to start fishing for people. Like this this was great, but we're going to start changing lives. We're going to start changing families. We're going to start seeing uh, communities change. We're going to start seeing cities change. We're going to start seeing culture change. Like Jesus said, what we're about to do here is, is eternally significant. But for that to happen, people have to go, okay, I'm going to take action. I'm not just going to listen. I'm going to take action with what God is speaking to me. Last week, Sean, uh, if you're, Sean just led out and did an incredible job of sort of beginning to cast this vision for the one, for the world. And the same day, got an email from somebody. Let me just read this to you. I thought it was so great. He said, hi, Sean. Wanted to share with you a cool story that happened as a result of your message today. One of my, I get emails after my messages as well. Um, <laughs> they're different. Uh, anyway, um, One of my side jobs is that I drive for Uber. 
I had a few hours free after church today, so I decided to turn on the Uber app in the church parking lot, and I figured I'd work for a couple hours. After today's message, I felt like I was on the hunt for my one, the one who God would want me to bless today. I turned on some worship music and asked God to send me someone in need. I got a request down the street from our church for a man who told me he was going to Atlanta to visit his brother. I could see on his face this wasn't a happy trip. He went on to say that his brother was having open-heart surgery tomorrow, and since his brother's wife doesn't drive, he's going to be with his brother and, and be with their family to help out. As we continued to drive, it felt like God was telling me to pray for him. In my head, I was like, no. <laughs> this is too crazy, God. I'm here to drive this guy from point A to point B. That's it. But with 20 minutes left in the drive, God finally wore me down. Before he got out of the car, I asked if I could pray for him and his brother we sat in the car, we prayed for him, for his brother, for their families. And I believe that God sent me, out of all the other people who could have picked him up that day, God sent me. Because this man needed some encouragement and to know that God sees him. Yeah! Here's the deal. We need you. We need you. And God, God I mean... God chooses to use you. He invites you in to the most amazing mission the world has ever seen. Not just this church, but just the church, the body. God invites you to play a significant role because the truth is the gospel is true. Jesus changes lives. And there are so many people in our world who are hurting with mental health issues, with relationship problems. They don't have peace in their finances their world is falling apart. They're lonely. There's people. I come off the stage, and I'll meet with people, and they'll tell me their story. And I'm just telling you, we need you to love with us all the people that God keeps bringing to this place.